What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a special Cinco de Mayo edition of Whiskey, Web, and Whatnot with myself, Robbie Wagner, and my co-host, as always, Charles William Carpenter III. With our guest today, Tracy Lee. How's it going, Tracy? Good. How are you all? We're good. We're good. Or I'm good. I guess I can't answer for Chuck. Yeah, you can't. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Happy Taco Day, basically, and Margarita Day, and yeah, whatever other things we may appropriate for our own <laughs> self benefit. So we won't be doing whiskey today. Mm-hmm. You may or may not opt into margaritas, and I decided to get myself some of this cut water pre-made spirit. I thought it would just be easier than trying to mix a drink or have a blender here at the office. Mango margarita it is at room temperature, highly. It's not a beer. It's not a beer. It's an actual margarita in a, in a can. Yes, yes. It's a 12.5% alcohol by volume. Ooh, hefty. And uh, tequila with lime juice, mango, and other natural flavors. Hmm. Tequila, lime juice, mango. That's not bad. Yeah, seems reasonable. Sounds healthy. And in a can. They actually make a few different cocktails. I have had their Paloma. And that was not bad. It's pretty decent. And they do even some like basic stuff like vodka soda or whatever. How, like, how lazy are you if you need a <laughs> vodka soda in a can? So I made a really lazy margarita now that you mention it because I have the Drinkworks machine, which has been discontinued, unfortunately. Ooh. But I bought like... 200 pods before they went out of business so i'm doing well for a while but (laughs) yeah you just put a pod in and it makes you a cocktail and they also have the the soda ones which is like okay why do i need a machine i can literally just mix soda and liquor that's not not hard yeah seems weird is the drinkworks one like the only drink making machine out there or are there more more like cocktail instant cocktail machines no the one that's still in business is uh, Bartesian. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that one, but it's like you put four like whole things of liquor in that one, and then they just make pods of like flavoring. Mm. Whereas the drink works that I have, the, everything's in the pod. The liquor's in there too, so it's just one pod done. Interesting. So just a little different. Mm. Why did people discontinue it? I don't know. I think so. Keurig owned it, and I'm wondering if it either just didn't make them enough money, or like alcohol shipping laws were hard. I don't know. Yeah. Booze in general stuff. Before we yeah. f- over-focus on the booze portion of the show, <laughs> though, I think we should regress a little bit and let Tracy introduce herself a little bit. You are a lady of many hats. So for anyone unfamiliar, if you want to <laughs> introduce yourself and what you're up to. Yeah, my name's Tracy. You can follow me on Twitter at Lady Leet. That's where I like to hang out the most, I think. And I'm a CEO of a company called This Thought Labs. So started it back in 2016 and we're a team of about 50 developers now it's been an adventure for sure but we're always hiring and working with amazing clients and doing amazing things and I always like to say that's how I make friends like people sliding into my inbox and chatting so (laughs) if you're looking for a position or you need help with something like always happy to talk I also do like other stuff, I guess, like ArcGIS <laughs> core team, Google developer expert. I recently became a GitHub star, which was like so cool. Microsoft MVP. What exactly is that? I've seen those around the GitHub star thing. I don't know. It's just like another program, like the GDE program or the Microsoft MVP program, where you kind of get this like insider track into like what's going on, like what are different features or products that 
whether it's Google or Microsoft or GitHub are rolling out from a developer perspective and just recognizing you for like the contributions you've made to the community. So gotcha. yeah, it's pretty exciting. Okay. So it's an invite thing. It's not like something you apply for or like go try to get a certification in and it's an invite. Yeah. I think you can like be recommended, which is like a way of applying. I don't know if you can for the GitHub one or not, but I don't know, but you know, they send you swag and like fun things like that. So that sounds cool. It's exciting. <laughs> I'm a little jealous. I'm here. I thought I was becoming internet famous, but uh, <laughs> GitHub does not recognize me. Google does not recognize me. Microsoft as a whole definitely does not recognize me. So Microsoft is because of the RxJS stuff. If y'all didn't know, RxJS actually came out of Microsoft. Hmm. Oh, and then like all the stuff I was doing with like the the browser teams previously, like state of browsers and all those fun conversations. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. So I have two follow-up questions there. Yeah. One, the lady lead thing, is that because it's like your last name <laughs> and then T? Yeah. Like switching your names or how did that come about? Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny because one of my best friends, Ben Lesh, he like, he didn't figure that out for like four years. And then one day, so Lady Elite went through three, seven, right. Mm -hmm. But then like, my name is Lee Tracy as well. And I swear, like one day he just like randomly text messages me. He's like, hold on. <laughs> I think I, just, I was like, Oh my, I can't believe you. But yes, Lady Lee T as well. <laughs> yeah. So it just made a lot of sense. You're just not really into lead code tests. That's really not lead code <laughs> problems. <laughs> I thought leet is also really cute, you know? So, like, I thought it was cute to have the 1337, which is why I was mm -hmm. like, oh, Lady Leet is, like, totally perfect. Yeah. My Twitter is not 1337. It's L-E-E-T. I figured that was, like, kind of best of both worlds. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So then circling back to RxJS, um, I don't think I've used it before, personally. I've seen it around, especially, like, a couple of Angular projects I touched yeah. added in there. Yeah. What is it used for? What is like the <laughs> the main idea there? Re read the documentation in the intro. Come I on. I didn't have time before right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, RxJS is all about like reactive programming. So if you're, I think when people think about it, you know, they really like the idea of reactive programming. So for those of you who don't know reactive programming, it's a programming paradigm and it's all about like, data streams and the propagation of change, basically easy ways to deal with sets of events over time, right? Is it kind of like concurrency? And the way that I read it, I kind of thought about it in the like Ember concurrency kind of ideology or, or no. It's been so long since I've like been in the Ember world. Yeah. Do we know each other from the Ember world, Robbie? I'm pretty sure we do, right? Yeah. Yeah. I did a, <laughs> a little bit of Ember work with you all yeah. a long, long time ago. Because <laughs> we started off in Ember. Mm -hmm. Like this dot started off doing like a lot of Ember stuff. But I mean, generally, if you want to learn a little bit more about reactive programming, there is like, you know, what Wig and TC39, for example, were like, starting to consider to adopt reactive programming paradigms. So for Wattwig, there's the event target observable proposal. And then for TC39, you know, there's like promises and observable, like that type of stuff that's been happening, right? So, I mean, the TC39 proposal for observable, I feel like is kind of like dead these days. But if you go to github.com slash TC39 slash proposal dash observable, 
you can kind of see like what they're trying to propose. And RxJS is basically like a reference implementation of that. So, okay, yeah. Interesting. If that helps. <laughs> it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, we could go on and on and on about it. But... <laughs> Check out RxJS if you have not checked out RxJS. And then if you like it, I think it, again, takes people like a little bit to like wrap their heads around it because it's like a new way of thinking. But once people do, I feel like people just want to RxJS all the things. <laughs> and then like you get into trouble too. So I swear sometimes I have these conversations with like Ben who created RxJS 5 and up. And uh, he's like, don't use it. I'm like, okay, look, we're trying to promote people to use this library, right. like not discourage people. <laughs> but I also have like a lot of, um, I just did this like YouTube series, a little mini YouTube series about RxJS. It's RxJS patterns in React, mm -hmm. which is kind of fun. A lot of times when people hear about RxJS, they think Angular because it's um, a first-class citizen in Angular. But RxJS is used a lot in React as well. And yeah, check out those videos. They're on the this.media this YouTube if you want to check it out. You do tend to produce a lot of content. So it was interesting. <laughs> I was like going through your Twitter and just trying to like dig a little bit and see if I can learn anything about i try to like ask some non-tech questions too like okay you know this is whiskey web and whatnot so for the for the whatnot mm -hmm. usually like to the what else do you do what else are you into we know you <laughs> are um, a new mother newish robbie is a new father i'm sure yes. we can talk a little bit about mm -hmm. those things like we're at various points in our parenting journey i have two of my own three and five nice so you're the most experienced out of all of us <laughs> right so that's why i am not only probably the oldest but look the oldest <laughs> it'll do that um but uh so to go back to what was the purpose of my initial question though so i was like trying to dig a, a lot and you produce a lot of content so you're really great about putting tons of content all over the place you got the youtube channel you got like a lot of posts on twitter talking about interesting tech things and things you're releasing other people are releasing and all of that stuff like so i find it very interesting you're obviously like in the weeds making things making content like how do you balance i'm just very curious because i think you know we're both agency owners at different places in that journey as well as like how do you balance running an agency with staying technical being involved with clients and then also creating all of this content I have no idea. Okay. But I think it's like different people have different levels of operating. So like I have this one friend, Alistair, who like, even if I tried, I could never keep up with his entire life. You know, he runs like a hundred X faster than me. And it's like, whoa, like from one thought to the next, like you have to digest, like, you know, I could, I have to spend like five minutes digesting like one sentence that he gives me, hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think like for me, it's just, it feels comfortable. You know, I think I found like whatever efficiencies I need to find. Some people look at my calendar and they have heart attacks. Hmm. I look at my calendar. I'm like, wow, this like is actually pretty chill, even though it's like completely booked. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think it's just finding the right people too. I think like all of us are developers. And so especially starting a company, you know, like you think that's the natural progression of things, right? I think that's the same thing with engineers. 
oh, I'm an engineer. Okay. Well, like there's this path and this path is to me becoming a manager. Like, do you really want to do that? Do you not? Or, you know, freelancing, right? It's like, okay, you do freelancing and then you start an agency. Okay. But what does that mean? So for many years, I like had a really hard time coming to terms with like the fact that I get to code less. And, you know, as the business grows, obviously you code and I'm sure you guys have experienced, like you just code less and less and less because you have to deal with so much other crap (laughs) that is going on. So I'm always juggling that. But I think like hiring the right people has been my way of trying to do that. And then just constantly reevaluating with myself okay, am I happy with my life right now? Am I not happy? What do I need to change? How can I change it? Um, what am I spending time on that I don't like? Yeah. And what am I spending time on that I do like? Yeah, I think that's key. I think that is the truth that I am facing currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it took me like three years to finally be like, okay, I'm got to be okay with like not coding as much, even though I'm depressed every single day about it, but it's been three years. Deal with it, Tracy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We still have not come to terms with that. No. Chuck and I code way more than we should and then just do all the other stuff on top of that. (laughs) Yeah. So basically running a business, developing business, account management, internal employee management. Robbie does finance stuff. Yeah. And then also work for our clients because sometimes they come to us for our particular expertise and it's like, it's great, but yeah, I am not available to all of you. (laughs) It's hard for me to say no to things though. So that's the problem. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think it's hard, especially with kids now, right? Like I swear to God. So my baby is four months old now and I'm like, okay, I'm on, um, somebody called it groundhog day. And I was like, yes, that's how I feel. You just, you know, you're in this thing. You know, it's like there's feedings and then you live from between feedings Mm -hmm. and then like they go to bed and then you're like, oh, seems like it's really early in the night. Just kidding. It's 10 (laughs) o'clock. Wait, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. What's happening with life? Wait, I'm going to sleep now. Okay, I wake up and do it again. So it's just, you know, like it's an interesting challenge that children bring to the table as well. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, developing and all that's I don't know. I mean, I. I still struggle with it. Like, I'm still like, man, what am I going to sink my teeth into? What am I going to give a talk on next? What am I excited about? And I do think it's funny that all of us are sitting here going like, it's not what you think it is, people. If you're a developer and you want to code, don't start an agency. Don't start an agency. (laughs) Yeah. Because ultimately you have to face that crossroad that you are running a business and the success and growth of that business is your primary responsibility, not the cool tech thing that you got to solve or learn about or dig into or whatever else like that's, that's become your hobby now, essentially. But I hope I can turn my life into only doing my hobby again. Yeah. So that's my goal. Hire enough people to where I can actually not have to do all the things I don't love. I mean, 50 people is pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. Once you figure all that out, you'll have to make videos for us to watch to learn how to do a better agency model. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Either that or I'll know one that's for sale in a year or two, I think. (laughs) So one of those two things will happen. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny because my husband is hilarious. So he even before we got married, like, so, okay, taxes. Okay, I hate taxes. So my process of doing taxes before was like, 
lay on the ground crying for a week. (laughs) And then like the next week, maybe touch it and still lay on the ground crying and like try to get the energy to like do my taxes. Mm. And then the third week, finally, I'm like, okay, I'm emotionally capable of doing my taxes now. And he like saw me go through that process. And then he's like, all right, I'm doing your taxes for you. So he like reconciles my life every month now, which is hilarious, but amazing. (laughs) Yeah, wow, that sounds great. But then like as the business grew and we were married, he's like, let let me just like poke in a little bit to your QuickBooks and like, let me just start (laughs) helping. And then he started like putting these slides together to like, you know, for me, I was always like, yeah, sure. Okay, we're financially solvent, whatever. Let's just keep going, right? Like, I'm not so much about the numbers. I'm more about like growing the business and being excited about like what our developers are doing and whatever. And he came in, he's like, how about let's make a presentation every month? And he just like (laughs) took over finances. And I was like, man, this is kind of like working really well. (laughs) Here you go. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'm thankful to have him in my life because he's taken over like the things that I just really... I mean, I think it's bad to say I don't care about finances, but like, yeah, <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not the most fun thing for me. Right. It takes a lot of emotional energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thanks, Robbie, for doing the finances. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I do our house, my household finances. So I'm just like that already is draining. Yeah. So I don't want to look at these things. It's just like, am I going to keep getting paid? Great. Hey, I need to buy this thing. Is, is that cool? Okay, awesome. That's all I need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all I want to know about it. Yeah. For yeah. sure. If the I answer is like ever that. no to are you still getting paid, we have a big problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully there's a conversation before I like approach that. But anyway, this is a great time to mention that I guess I'm halfway through this. It's tasty enough that I'm drinking it like a juice. Uh oh. So that is something to be said, but not overly 12. sweet. 12.5%. Mm. 12.5%. <laughs> uh, so the rest of my day is. I'm in Phoenix, and we're currently on Pacific time. So it is, we started this at noon-ish. <laughs> Thanks, Tracy. And so what am I going to do for the next five hours? I don't know. Hard to say. Drink more. <laughs> oh, yes. The Balmer effect. I don't know if you've ever seen that comic about, like, how productive you are in programming based on the number of whiskeys you have. And then it's like the Balmer peak. That's what it is. And when you hit that peak, say it's like two or three, you're like, boom, you're in the zone. You're crushing it and whatever else. Have one more and it swipes down. That's essentially what (laughs) will occur. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So thank you for the business advice. I knew I could somehow dig in professionally there and get some (laughs) direction. Uh, Get people to do the things you don't want to do. And I think that is probably excellent advice. Mm -hmm. So... Going back to obviously tons of professional content and interest there. Do you do things other than keep your baby alive and code and make videos? I have a lot of projects. So before I got pregnant, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I mean, I love music. I've always, you know, I played cello professionally for a really long time, Um, piano as well. And then, then you get older and then like you don't. (laughs) And so then, you know, if, Right before I got pregnant, I was like, okay, I'm going to become the best musician ever. And actually, I don't know if y'all know Ken Wheeler, mm-hmm. but Ken Wheeler and his like jams on Twitter, like inspired me. I was like, okay, Ken, what is your setup? I'm getting it. Mm-hmm. So I bought Ken's setup and I was like, I'm going to become like, I'm going to make beats. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to take classes <laughs> on this. Yeah. So I started doing that. So that was a project. 
since I got pregnant, I haven't touched it. And then another thing I've been doing, I've been making jewelry since I was 18, but I was like, okay, I'm going to make like diamond rings. Like I'm going to be able to like make like Tiffany's level jewelry Mm -hmm. because I can do this. And so like soldering and all this other stuff is what's required. So I bought all this equipment, all these like drill bits, the solder, like just all this crazy stuff, the blowtorch, whatever, you know, and then I was very sad to learn that you actually can't breathe that stuff when you're pregnant. Mm. So mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. another project. Right. And then right before I had the baby, because, you know, I was getting restless. I was like, I am going to buy a cricket. Do you guys know what a cricket is? Mm-hmm. Okay. My wife has one. Okay. No, I have no idea. It's like this thing where like you can print fun stuff. And, you know, like those like cups that you see with people's names or sayings or like the shirts with sayings and stuff. Yeah. So you can just basically make all that stuff or you can make yeah. like your own greeting cards. Oh, you can make a lot of stuff with this cricket. Mm-hmm. This sounds like a great Mother's Day gift. Might have to hurry up and buy one. Yes. <laughs> yes. Go to cricket.com. Mm-hmm. Not sponsored, but they could. They could sponsor. <laughs> they could. <laughs> you or me or whichever, whatever. Both of us. Yes. But, <laughs> but anyways, I bought a Cricut and I bought every single thing possible I could buy on the Cricut website. Hmm. And then I had a baby mm-hmm. and I haven't touched the Cricut. <laughs> right. Your life and body is not your own for a while. Yeah. This is what I'm told by mothers. Of course, my body, yes. you know, yes. I'm also told that my part in that was very minuscule and. <laughs> So <laughs> let's show respect where where necessary. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just like early, early days when they're mush and they're like, we need to eat and poop and sleep. And that's kind of what we do for a while. Yeah. Once they start to become more self-sustaining. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's adorable. But also, what do I do? I forgot what I do with myself during these times. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one thing I actually really want to do, because I've been reading a lot of books for the baby as like the next project I'm thinking about doing mm-hmm. is um, writing bilingual books. So I'm Chinese. I speak Mandarin, but, you know, I don't speak Mandarin well enough, mm-hmm. I feel like. And then, you know, the baby needs to speak Chinese and my husband is not Chinese. So I'm trying to um, teach the baby and speak to the baby only in Chinese. But the books out there, like there's not enough amazing books out there. So mm-hmm. I want to now write a series of children's books in Chinese. Oh, very cool. (laughs) Which should be pretty easy. So maybe I can like pop that out in the next like three months or so. (laughs) With all your spare time. Yes. But did you guys get the like teach babies HTML, teach baby JavaScript books? Mm -hmm. I did. Everyone has those, right? I did not. I did not know those exist. I should have sent those to you, Robbie. I didn't realize. I kind of thought... Yeah, yeah. HTML for babies, JavaScript for babies. There's a couple of different ones that are very interesting. Yeah, I I did that. I mean, because it was just on brand. Maybe he just intuitively knows HTML already. Yeah, through osmosis (laughs) or something. That's what you contributed in the DNA Mm -hmm. birth of document creation. We'll start him on MySpace layouts. (laughs) (laughs) But I kind of want to do some books around that, too, because I don't feel like there's like enough books around those types of things. Yeah. Or like enough good ones, you know, so in my free time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's always kind of the thing. Well, I don't suggest that you try to run the business and do a lot of coding for clients. I don't suggest those. But uh, and then you'll probably have more free time. So it'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, like through different times. So when they're feeding, right, you're you're obviously involved a bit here. But if you I've heard of people 
doing some work or that kind of stuff. Like you could write your book through audio, just to audio notes on your phone while you're feeding. Because mm. I mean, you can't go anywhere for X amount of time. So you could do some things like maximize that time. Yeah. That's difficult because the baby is at the point where he's like getting distracted now. So like if he even, uh, you know, it's like, don't talk, just make sure he's feeding. <laughs> but- yeah, that's true. Well, see, this is why I'm the father, not the mother. I have, I'm full of bad ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because yeah. people were asking me like, they're like, you know, cause I'm like, well, I'm going to have two, maybe three. And then one of my friends was like, so have you like talked to your husband about this? What does he say? And I'm like, oh, he has a decision. I don't know. He's never been given me any opinions about this. I've never asked. Oh, that, that's funny. Yeah, and that, that's probably a worthwhile discussion. Thanks for the donation. <laughs> right. Yeah. You have one job to do. We did have this discussion because initially I was like, oh, yeah, these uh, had the first child. And I was like, oh, baby, so great, adorable. I love doing this. But I think that, uh, yeah, pregnancies can be challenging. Infants can be challenging. We had the second one and I was like, I'm not doing this a third time. And then I, I, I closed up shop. So I did have a say so. <laughs> your body, your choice. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think logistically more than two just seems like a lot of work. Cause like I always go with the model of if I'm by myself, I have two arms, I can control two children. Right. If you have a third, it's just like, they're gone. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. We replaced ourselves. So I was kind of like, this seems sufficient. Mm-hmm. That's it. I don't need to increase population. Well, they just- do say it becomes more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Although I grew up poor and then like my mom also grew up poor and she was like one of seven kids. How the, if that's the case, then how did that happen? Mm. I have no idea. Either everybody eats spam or everybody goes to Harvard. I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah, it all makes it work. But like the- there's a lot of forums out there that talk about like two versus three kids. Mm-hmm. And like if you have two kids and you have four people and four people can fit into a taxi, four people can stay in one hotel room. Right. You know, there's a lot of like efficiencies with like just having two kids. And once you move to the third kid, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, you need two taxis or you need like not just a sedan, you need like a bigger car or like, you know, it costs more to go Mm. to the airport. And like, there's just all these things that come with like having more than two children. So maybe that was his argument against having three children. Right. (laughs) Gentle, gentle argument. I could see that. Yeah. If you want to maintain like socioeconomic standards and make it efficient, then seems like let's not get into two taxis. That's it. This is a one taxi family. <laughs> That's all we are. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, how did you first get into web development? So I had this boyfriend and he's like wearing this shirt and there's this like cute little squirrel thing on it. And I was like, oh, that's cute. What is that? And he was like, oh, that's the, that's the Tomster. I was like, oh, what's a Tomster? And it was the Ember Tomster. And I'm like, oh, what's Ember? And he said, it's JavaScript. And I said, oh, like Java? (laughs) (laughs) So I was definitely there. (laughs) And then um, he was like so passionate about it and like was like super into the Ember community. And I was like, 
oh, these people seem nice. They're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Let's hang out. And then, you know, I was bored. I was like, well, maybe let me start a meetup. He was complaining about not having a social life. I was like, cool, let's start a meetup. There's your social life. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I don't really like him as a human being now, since we broke up many years ago, (laughs) (laughs) I'm super thankful for like him getting me into it. But then Tom's done really well since, you know, so. (laughs) (laughs) That would be funny, but no. But like, no, I'm well, then I took a boot camp and I learned JavaScript and I was like so excited about it. I was doing a startup at the time. We were a tech startup, but I wasn't on the tech side, obviously. And um, I just did a three week boot camp. And I have to say it was so interesting because within those three weeks, I realized what it meant to be a developer. And I like realized how much I was like torturing my co-founder CTO. Like these things that business people just don't understand, like flow, right? Or like these things that business people don't understand, like tech debt. Like you just don't know mm-hmm. until you become a developer mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, or like, for example, I'd always be like, oh, he's not in a lot of meetings. Like we should like get him to be in more meetings. So he feels like he's more a part of the team, right? Like what terrible, terrible decisions I made before I learned how to code. (laughs) But I loved it so much. I loved development because it was so challenging to me. And, you know, instead of business, I think developers go the other way. They're like, oh, development's easy. Like, let me do business stuff because that's challenging. For me, it was different. I was like, man, this is so invigorating. Like, this is hard and it's awesome. And I can build things and create things. And I think this was around like the 2015 time. So I was super like, lucky, for example, to like have all the tooling that we have, right? Like ES 2015 was just like, you know, that like there was like new stuff happening there. So I was exposed to all these really amazing things and all these tools like Ember CLI, for example, dude, once I discovered Ember and Ember CLI, I was like, oh my God, I'm a machine. You know, I built like three websites in one weekend. Like it was so empowering using material design. Like I thought I could do anything. Mm. Yeah. And ever since then, like, I've just like been doing that. And part of my goal, like, you know, for, for me, what keeps me happy is like building community and bringing people together. So that's kind of how this thought started. I just, uh, I really just kind of wanted to do whatever I wanted to do. And what really made me happy was like bringing people together, uh, like helping facilitate conversations, seeing people like, be inspired by a community. And so like a lot of this thought is very much related to that from a content perspective, from like a production perspective, because if I was running a consultancy and like not doing that, then I would be like, not so happy with my life. (laughs) So going back to the, like, make sure you're doing something you still enjoy. Yeah. I think it's so interesting. And that actually makes sense now. So I was on your site and I saw you guys have job postings around a developer advocate, and it's so different for an agency to actually have that kind of position and utilizing that in as part of like your marketing and, and whatnot. So I thought that was like, Oh, that's really interesting. A developer advocate. Typically that's drawn around a product or a particular software or library or something like that. And from an agency perspective, I wonder what that fit is, but you saying that yeah. it actually kind of 
it's more of an extension of what you love to do. So why wouldn't you have a team that can do that similar thing and that you're part of? Yeah. Yeah. And then you're not tied to any one product or, or software piece or whatever else. But I have to ask for you all as an agency, like, are you all developing your own things or like, do you hope to one day? Is that why you started the agency? Uh, (laughs) No, I started the agency, to be honest, to look like I was more of a big deal because it was just me when I started and I like didn't want to just market myself. So I was like, let's be a company of just me. But we've obviously evolved since then. And most of the people we have are not doing Ember. It's just me and like one other guy doing Ember because I'll never give it up until Ember dies, honestly. Until not if is what you've said. Oh, it's I mean, every framework will die eventually. It might take a long time, like for some of the more popular ones. But Anyway, all of that to say, Chuck and I have talked a lot about trying to do some products or different things. And we just, I don't know, we are like not idea people. I feel like we can execute everything. We like to get into a lot of stuff and can do a lot of different things, but we don't have like a great product idea. So, (laughs) yeah, we also don't give ourselves mind space for that. Right. So we're like running the business. We do the business development. We do account management. We do client work. We, you know, it's just kind of like the scale that we're at currently. Yeah. We are really in the weeds on a lot of stuff. So we kind of like, we know what a five-year plan could be, but we don't really know as much about what are the details of the one-year plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. I would say that's just where that amounts to. So we get to like touch and, and uh, work on a lot of different things. So that can kind of be fun, but we don't get to choose our own destiny. Yeah, yeah. Wait, how, how big is the team now? I remember Robbie, we met and it was like, it was like you and like, I think three or four other people when we first met. Yeah, I think we're like around 15 now, something like that, Chuck. So it's six full-time employees and we have a pool of, and I'll have to look, it's 12 or 15 like consultants and also contractors that we've been working with for a while. Although I feel like that basically converting to more full-time employees is is the most advantageous. I I guess we've been risk adverse and we need to actually like shift that Mm -hmm. paradigm. So yeah. So let's say we're like 15 or so active currently. Yeah. Well, risk adverse is good. That's how you survive. (laughs) yeah well that is that's true it's like it has um worked in our favor um for the time being but we tend to be do a lot of staff aug though so we don't have a lot of project-based work it's a lot of time and materials staff augmentation hey this thing that we made is slow or this architectural approach is a problem so can we do that or we just want to accelerate velocity and we heard you guys are good so come in Yep. Sounds a lot like us. Yeah. I think it's more fun that way. Project-based stuff is fun too, but solving hard problems is also fun. <laughs> yeah. Like improve mm-hmm. deliverability and developer experience and shave off time because you're e-commerce and turns out if things load a little faster, conversion rates improve and stuff like that. So that's like always been a funny, huge thing. Like I always talk about web performance and like Generally, like, I feel like nobody ever wants to invest in it, but like performance is just such a huge deal. And just like you said, Charles, it's like, hey, did you know that this is going to increase your conversion? But like, for some reason, there's this like weird disconnect with like people actually wanting to invest a sprint on just performance, for example, to like see results. They're like, no, we can't do that. We have other things, features, features, features. It's like, (sighs) ah, right. Mm -hmm. It's always a fun conversation. Yeah. Yeah. 
seeing the value in uh, user performance, but I think like seeing the value, it's a lot of times a hard sell too to see the value internally and like your developers aren't seeing their features go live for two weeks, a month, whatever, X, whatever thing. And like, that's a problem. That's a problem because like, you're losing a lot of mind shift before you know things go live that you can iterate on your iteration cycle suck like there's all kinds of things there and then also they just don't like working at a place where their work doesn't see light for months so maybe retention issues there too just there's all kinds of interesting metrics that can be looked at yeah i think like prioritizing developer experience and like getting rid of tech debt and stuff is super important these days because it's a hot market, and if you aren't providing good developer experience and you don't care about tech debt and you just force people to ship features in, like, a five-year-old framework, then people aren't going to want to work there. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, uh, you know, a, a big thing, and, and people bring us in sometimes being like, oh, we just want to keep our team just doing feature work forever. You come, like, fix all the architecture. And I'm like, well, we could do that, but you have to have buy-in from the whole team to fix tech debt or your culture is just wrong, in my opinion. Yeah. I feel like I've tried fighting that battle. So, you know, like you're always trying to change culture and then you're like, oh, look, the new VP has come in. Oh, great. We got to start this thing over again. Oh, look, another new VP a year later. Okay, here we go again. So (laughs) it makes me so sad because like, I feel like I'm always like, oh man, we're going to go in there. We're going to help these developers. It's going to be awesome. And like, while we do and while we do impact change, like change in terms of organizational change just needs to come from the top. And it, it makes me so sad. Like, you know, it's like, okay, we're three years in. Okay. We've moved a little bit. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I always wish there was more. Yeah. Yeah. Big old organizations just tend to have that those kinds of politics and so it's very difficult and you have to have the patience of like i would love to give you this but unfortunately your rate of change and buy-in and movement and like uptake it's probably this oh you want to do a six-month engagement it's probably this yeah and we do a year and maybe we get this yeah and then we kind of go you know yeah but i think it's also kind of interesting too like as a developer i think it's really important to like understand how large organizations and small organizations work. Like, you know, like on one side, you have people who have only worked at small companies and, you know, only done like, you know, startup MVP type stuff. And they're like, what's the latest technology? What's the latest technology? Are we using the cutting edge stuff? And I just love seeing new developers come in like with, you know, these like bright eyes. And I love it when this new technology breaks everything else. And they're like, oh, crap, I need to change it. Like, I just like we have this one developer right now and I can't wait until he's like, just kidding. Let's use a little more stable features. I'm not all about this, like breaking edge technology that came out last week anymore. Yeah. And then you have like these other people who I feel like are like, oh, man, you're going into a large organization and like you're just learning so much about like how to communicate and how to manage up and how to work within a large organization and like solving those types of problems and how is microservices actually set up or micro front actually set up and like, does this make sense? Or like, you know, when you're going to GraphQL, you're like actually seeing people do federation, for example. And yeah, I mean, it, it's like you pick and choose your battles of like what you want to be exposed to, but yeah, 
I think overall, it's good for a developer to like experience all those things within their career. Absolutely. I saw a tweet a couple of months ago and it said something like, a senior engineer isn't faster. They've just seen it before. <laughs> right? I like that. And that's what it is. It's not like, oh, doesn't mean that I'm like, oh, I can type faster and I know all these answers right away. It's just I've probably had this experience. And so, you know, I know something a little bit different about how to solve it. I really like that. Yeah. I think like that also goes with like a lot of developers are like, how do I become a senior engineer? You know, how do I become like, how do I keep progressing? And I think you said it very accurately, Charles, <laughs> is like, you just haven't seen enough and it just takes time. And it's hard to say that to somebody who like, is like, okay, I'm going to be a senior next year. It's like, okay, well, I don't know how to tell you. You just like need to see a few more things. Yeah. Cause like, unless you've lived it, you just don't know. Right. But that's hard to say. That's like hard to. That's a hard pill to swallow, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And like uh, being explicit, a lot of engineers want the steps and they want to say, when I tick these boxes, I'm there. And uh, is it just a time component? They get and that that's the problem in this market, too, is that salaries are jumping and people are jumping into more advanced roles in a shorter period of time, usually to meet HR guidelines for pay bans and not necessarily meeting the job description. Like I want to hire this person. They want this much money. Oh, okay. We have to put them in this bucket. Are they in this bucket? And I'm like, well, I guess they are because this is what I need to get this person, get this individual. And so, you know, and the market's like shoot, going so rapidly. So yeah, like on the other side, you like try and write a career ladder that breaks down some of these things. And there is kind of a time component behind it but it is a little bit arbitrary because it's not okay i say it's five years maybe you know you've happened to have a lot of experiences in four years well you're there you tick the boxes well not the time box and so what is that like yeah it, it's a hard one to nail down yeah it's all arbitrary yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's like i think i mentioned on a previous podcast that I just kind of felt like every day at work for a long time, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Everyone's so much smarter than me. And then one day I just didn't feel like that anymore. Not that I had like learned a certain amount of stuff or had a certain amount of experience. It was like, oh, I can figure this stuff out myself. Yeah. So it's not like you have to take a bunch of boxes. You just start to get better and yeah. have a better time developing. And definitely not saying there has to be a time component, but like sometimes I feel like some advice I give to like a developer when I've seen them and I'm like, you're doing all the right things. You just need a little more time because that's what my intuition tells me, you know? And sometimes again, that is just like a hard thing to say, but oh my God, I've seen people with like four years experience be like crazy, amazing architects. And it's just like, whoa, like how did you do that in four years? That was like the craziest thing I've ever <laughs> seen, you know, but it's really cool to watch. Yeah. In some cases, the frameworks people are using haven't even existed for four years. So right. uh, oh. it's hard to have a senior in certain things. And then the thing I also love is, you know, because we do a lot of code exercises, like part of our interview process is code exercises. And like, sometimes I'm like, you created this person as a senior and they have like six months experience. <laughs> okay, that's a little weird. 
But then like you dig into a little more, you're like, oh, it's because they use this framework. And actually this framework is actually just giving them all these things that you're seeing. Mm -hmm. It's not actually the developer. So it's cool how frameworks can like get us there so much faster, you know, from like a development perspective. Yeah, definitely. For sure. But it goes to show that like, it doesn't always give you the context of what all these things do too. Like, oh, what's that? The, what is it masking over that vanilla JavaScript does? And, you know, they're accelerators and that's great. And that like gets a job done. But as far as understanding, and maybe that's the component that's missing. It's like, yes, you can do the job. You can create an app in XYZ framework. But do you know, like, what are the implications of that? And why this framework is a good choice for that? Or maybe this one or... You need something that does this because state is managed differently here than it is here. What is state in, in terms of the browser persistent state and this temporary state? Oh, cache. We should put cache questions in our thing. <laughs> no, I don't even know. And then we'll just like yeah. never hire anyone again because I can't answer them either. <laughs> <laughs> or you like cache and naming things become a cache expert. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've done some things with Apollo Server and Redis Cache. It does get interesting. Yeah, I think caching is not the problem, right? It's cache busting. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. That's true. You can save all kinds of things, but at what times is it appropriate? Right. Got deep. <laughs> I'm sad I'm on this like whiskey podcast because I actually have a very intense whiskey collection. And I'm not drinking since I'm breastfeeding. Yeah, right, right. You know, you're a responsible mother. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> it's appropriate. Yeah, whiskey might be extreme too, but I am very curious. You should. But I only have whiskey. Okay. I'm from Kentucky. Listen. Nice. Kind of the struggle. <laughs> so you should send us a picture of your liquor cabinet. Yes. I actually have two. We can use that to promote this one. Do you guys have like a favorite? I like the one that gives me a buzz a lot. <laughs> Turns out that's many. Of Honestly, them. we've been through so many and, and the rating scale is like somewhat arbitrary as well. So it's kind of like, you know, based on the day, I might like one better than the other, but I can't say for sure which one. So you don't have a favorite? I don't pick a favorite anything. My favorite is Sagamore Rye because the way your rating scale is, is like price factors in. So it's like a very cheap okay. middle of the road really good rye. I, I like rye better than bourbons personally. So that's kind of my favorite. And we're actually doing a barrel pick of a Sagamore for the podcast sometime soon. So we'll have to send you some of that. Yes. And whenever you can drink again, we'll have you back on to, to do that. Oh my God. I'll add it to my crazy collection. I want to hear your favorite. Well, I want to hear your favorite. <laughs> so it depends. I have a problem picking favorite anything because then that means I have okay. to I have to like dismiss. You now, what's your favorite movie? Well, I like these 12 a lot. But You have a favorite child, right? Like you have to have a favorite child. It depends. <laughs> Whichever one loves me the most on that particular day, I like them the best. So and if they're like because they do switch, they'll like have favorites and go back and forth. You guys will figure this out and they'll break your heart like 45 times. It's terrible. But then when they come back, you're like, oh, I'm basking in this. But I was just thinking about how, like, <laughs> recently, I think I, like, recommend to people that are not super whiskey snobs and, like, something they can sip on that isn't overly expensive, that kind of thing. I like, I like Four Roses Single Barrel. Oh, me too. That's a yeah. good one to get into. Yeah. It's approachable. It's like 35 bucks. Okay. Well, my favorite is, I have two favorites. So my favorite used to be Blanton's. Mm, yeah. And the reason why I love Blanton's is because I tried it and I was like, dude, this is so amazing. 
And then I, I was, you know, I'm from the Bay Area, California, and then I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, where there, there's like these liquor laws that happen. Mm. And I couldn't find Blanton's like at all. And I didn't realize it was such a rare bourbon. It's allocated now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then for like three months, I couldn't find this stuff. So I went back to California and like in your local grocery store, which is just like Publix or Safeway or whatever at Safeway, I was like, dude, there's five Blanton's here. So like I literally bought like 10 Blanton's mm-hmm. within like a, a very short, <laughs> like a three hour period. I drove to all the Safeways to find all the Blanton's, mm-hmm. brought it all back to me to North Carolina. And then I, I went down this spiral of like all the expensive whiskeys. So like the... um the Colonel E.H. Taylor's mm-hmm. Weller is actually my second favorite, like the green labeled one. A special reserve, but a one Oh seven. That's the jam. Yeah. But it used <laughs> to be like $30 a bottle. And now you're lucky to find it for a hundred. Yeah. The green label one, the Weller green label, which whatever it's called, I guess it's special reserve. I found it in Atlanta for like 30 something dollars. And I was like, nice. dude, I bought like four of them. Yeah. It was crazy. I was like, is this mislabeled? <laughs> just resell them. Yeah, I was going to say, first of all, you could just ma- you pay for everything probably by selling a couple bottles in the secondary. But then third, <laughs> you are one of those people that builds a bunker. Oh, I build a bunker. Yes. Bunker of bourbon. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'll have one and leave one for other people. I'm nice. I don't know why I did that. I should turn and burn and, you know, get it. But. Okay. Oh, yeah. Don't call me out for my COVID toilet paper shopping. (laughs) We weren't going to talk about that here. Yeah. Bunker, bunker. Tracy Lee, bunker lady. (laughs) Those are good ones. And actually, it's funny. So you should go to Buffalo Trace. I think you'd love it. They make a lot of Blantons there. So I don't really know why it's so damn hard to get. I think they make it hard to get on purpose artificially. Well, no, because Bland's is made on this like one section specifically. So there's like this only this one area that you can like that they actually like, um, what do they call like, let it rest or whatever, or let it age. Oh, you mean the rake house or whatever or what? I don't know. Yeah. I've been in the building where they bottle it and do all the stuff and there's a shit ton of bottles there. So I don't know, but I guess it does have to like go all over the place. So the first time I was there at Buffalo Trace, the tour guide was one and everybody was asking about Pappy at that point. I want to say, I don't know, it was like sometime around 2010, maybe. I don't know. I can't bring myself to buy Pappy. I found it, but I'm like, I can't. I've had it. I had it before it was like a billion dollars, too. And it's fine. (laughs) But like this man said, like the best whiskey is the one you like. And if that happens to be Pappy at whatever, three hundred dollars or if it's Weller, because at that time, the Weller Green was like $20, $25. If it's that, then great. And the secret is, is they have a very similar mash bill. They used to have this thing in like whiskey groups a while ago. It was called like poor man's pappy. And it would tell you between the three different wellers, because there's a 12 year weller too, between those ones, like mix this, this, and this, put it in your bottle, let it sit for a little bit. And then you basically have pappy. No way. That's really cool. (laughs) Will it as well, but I don't really like will it as much. I have the... um, stag what's it called the stag junior i think it is yeah baby stag i wasn't into it Nah, it's too hot yeah too hot yeah but you've tried a lot of good stuff and then yeah a bunch of those are buffalo trace so you're like leaning that direction it would seem well it's not they're their own thing but yes yeah they used to be cool back in the day before they like it has a cool bottle yeah mm-hmm. i like their bottles. i like the bottle a lot yeah <laughs> I like their rye. So they have their own distillate. They have a bourbon and a rye now. They used to just, their old stuff used to just be picked 
from another place, but they have been doing their own distillate for a few years and their rye is pretty good if you like rye. It's just like a three or four year. I like rye, but my husband for some reason doesn't like rye. So like I never buy rye and I never drink rye mm. for some reason. But if you have, um, I don't know if you've all heard of Jeff Mor- Morgenthaler. He's like mm-hmm. a cocktail mixologist. I think he's in Oregon. Mm. So he makes a really, really, really good amaretto sour that I've made with blends before. But y'all should check it out. Like Jeff Morgenthaler's amaretto sour is like my favorite drink. I can drink like five of them. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and it's delicious. <laughs> I think I would like to drink five of them today <laughs> after having this one tequila thing. Yeah. My day is over anyway. We do have happy hour later and it's still Cinco de Mayo. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, that's true. My wife was like. Do we have tequila at home? We do not. You will need to get some. We mostly only have whiskey. I keep gin too, just because I like Negronis in the summer. But gin, web and whatnot, just didn't have the same <laughs> ring to it. Yeah, I'm not a huge gin fan. Suit yourself. You can make a Boulevardier with uh, bourbon instead of gin. And it's Negroni still, but instead of gin, you do whiskey and it's called Boulevardier. And it's fun to say. Mm. <laughs> Well, y'all are welcome over to my house to drink my alcohol anytime. <laughs> I did after just buying like all the bourbons felt like I needed to like buy other alcohol to like round out my cabinet. So mm. I do have other things in there. And then, you know, I would I've bought all the um, the Laphroaig and the all the fun things that you can find like in Ireland and the UK. So, yes, yes. Very nice. All right. So I'll look better. Watch out with that offer. Chuck will be flying out there right now. (laughs) Seriously. Come drink my alcohol. I was going to say, I'm I'm going (laughs) to, that's all I'm going to do. It's only, uh, I have a business trip and just don't contact me for a week. That's what I'll tell my wife. (laughs) Sorry. It's a business trip. Yeah. I know some people in Raleigh and good barbecue. So that's cool. Mm hmm. Well, I'm in Atlanta now, so you have to oh, come to Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta, which I've mm-hmm. never been to Atlanta. So, ooh, you going to render ATL? No, I'm still with child. Yeah, <laughs> so. so, yeah, but my friends are coming in early, so we're going to hang out before uh, they all get COVID at, at the. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> at the music festival. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a Porsche Experience Center there in Atlanta, too, so can go oh, yeah. do that. Drink whiskey. Very true. Yeah. Good business trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whiskey after the driving, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Not uh, <laughs> not recommended to do it the other way. Yeah. All right. Well, we're about at time here. Before we wrap up, is there anything you would like to plug or let people know about, Tracy? I think that if you know women in tech who are looking to get into the field or who are in the field or whatever, or you're trying to inspire to get in the field, I can't tell you how many like junior developers are like, well, my boyfriend is a developer or my husband is a developer. (laughs) And then they're getting in and like surpassing their significant others, which I love to see. (laughs) But we do have this like monthly woman in tech mentoring. So if you go to this.co, you can check out like a bunch of our different events. We have, you know, angularmeetup.com, reactjsmeetup.com, viewmeetup.com. But the woman in tech one is amazing. We meet like every month for an hour it's a closed session, but if you just want like some awesome people to like come hang out with, feel free. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. There are two ladies who work for us and obviously some in our network. So I am happy to share that resource as well. Yeah. Well, thanks again for coming on, Tracy. If anyone wants to subscribe to this podcast, please do so. We appreciate it. It helps us get the word out about it and we'll catch you guys next time.
Thanks for listening to Whiskey Web and Whatnot. This podcast is brought to you by ShipShape and produced by Podcast Royale. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend or two and leave us a rating, maybe a review, as long as it's good. You can subscribe to future episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more info about ShipShape and this show, check out our website at shipshape.io. 